Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Middle of the week, Wednesday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. Thanks for being with us. Welcome to the uh, to the show this afternoon. The ceasefire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. Bull, there's a lot of it in wireless, but ceasefire thinks you deserve a plan that's actually what it says, so here's the real deal. Best plan for one or two lines, $45 each, with auto pay and paperless billing. No bull. Check it out at cspire.com. Fellas, what's up? How are you, Borky? Uh, feeling really good today. Okay. So, Any particular reason why? About an hour ago, I read a story on ESPN um, about particularly the New Orleans basketball team and their preparedness for Orlando. It seems like all every player is going to play for whatever that's worth. But uh, one quote in particular on uh, Zion's uh, preparedness to play. So because of the knee surgery, he got an exemption, and he actually never had to leave and go home. He got to work out in the team facility with team trainers the entire time. And okay. the quote said, his physicality and conditioning and all that is, quote, going to shock people. So I'm in a really good mood now. How much weight did he drop? And they didn't give specifics. The thing is, he doesn't necessarily need to lose a whole ton of weight. It's more just a, about conditioning. I mean, he couldn't couldn't run for eight months. So, I mean, he played at Duke. He's six foot six. I mean, he was playing at 250. And his first game back in New Orleans, they said, you know, 285. Uh, 250 was a little bit skinnier than they would like him to be, believe it or not. They want him to be a little bit more physical. So uh, from day of first game to now, if it's 15 pounds, then then he's money. Okay. Well, that is uh, interesting to see, and I know you're uh, getting ready for your New Orleans Pelicans to uh, make a run at an NBA title. Yeah. and um, Assuming they can win enough to be part of the teams that are actually in the playoffs – yeah, I mean, seriously. It's, it sounds to me like with, with this this news that the, the Pelicans might be able to win one game against the Lakers in this series. <laughs> well, Fantastic so. news. Well, sadly, right? a, a huge piece for the Lakers is having to stay home. Uh, Avery Bradley, he's one that decided to, um, to, to hang back, but he has a, a six-year-old that has respiratory issues. Yeah. And so he's made the, the very smart and good and noble decision to uh, – to stay home and everybody's supporting him, which is great. But uh, all, all of that is accurate except for the huge piece part. But uh, we'll he's a piece. He's a piece. Good player. Was good two way player. Like Sign J.R. Smith. I'm excited. Can't wait to see how he screws it up. <laughs> see, there's where New Orleans is going to get their one win right there. J.R. Smith is going to do something stupid. It yeah. will take the one. 
18 months, 19 months out of the game of basketball for uh, J.R. Smith, and now he is going to be the piece that gets the uh, Lakers over the top. How do you think he's been passing the time? Something's been passed. <laughs> hey, Dad, what's up? Not much. Not much today. Been a nice, relatively quiet day. I can live with that. There you go. Enjoyed being on uh, the Thunder and Lightning podcast for the very first time last night. Yeah, that will air on uh, t- tomorrow's show. Oh, the t- tomorrow's edition of Thunder. I was good wondering if yeah. you'd gotten your ratings numbers back yet, and if they had just like skyrocketed. <laughs> <laughs> no, not not yet. We'll, we'll keep an eye not. on that, though. Probably not. We had fun, though. We did. It's a good interview. Richard uh, gives us a great preview of the Ole Miss Rebels. Did I? I think so. Borky, he asked a question. Of all the previews I have gotten, that is one of them. Borky, he he asked the first question. I said, wait, hold on a second. We're really supposed to be talking about football right now? He's like, yes, we're here to talk about football. I was like, oh, it was was great. Hey, I did yeah. see where uh, Philip Fulmer said he fully anticipates to have fans in the stands in the season to be played as scheduled, for whatever that's worth. Take whatever news uh, we can get at uh, at this point. Uh, there was yep. a quote, uh, oh, it's been a couple of weeks now, from uh, Gene Smith, the athletics director at Ohio State, said that uh, they were hoping for forty to 50,000 fans uh, inside Ohio Stadium. That would be at 50,000. It would be about half capacity. So, you know, we'll see where that goes. We're going to visit tomorrow afternoon with, uh, with Keith Carter, uh, the athletics director at Ole Miss, and uh, we'll ask him if there's any sort of an update from, from his perspective uh, in terms of what they're looking at, what they're expecting, what they're modeling. Uh, it's kind of a weird time, though, right now because COVID cases are going up. Uh, what, 27 states across the, uh, the United States have uh, increased caseloads over like a rolling seven-day average. Uh, there was an interview that um, Dr. Thomas Dobbs did with uh, the Jackson Free Press, I think, um, where he kind of sounded the alarm that it uh, it could get dire this uh, this fall, and I, I think that's something that he genuinely believes. But I also think part of the reason that he's making that warning so dire is the the, the desperate plea for people to continue to practice social distancing and wear masks and do the things that they were doing back in April and May to try and limit the spread of COVID as opposed to just kind of getting back to, to normal life. Do we have a definitive answer? I think the answer to this is no, but has anybody heard a definitive answer as to whether or not you can get COVID a second time? Haven't heard anything definitive. I saw a study two days ago that said your antibodies after a few months drop a significant amount. So that would imply that it's possible, although there's nothing definitive, as you guys said. Yeah. I wonder if there are coaches out there who are convinced that it might be better for their players to go ahead and get it once. Get it. Get it out of the way, just and and move on. And I'm not I'm not suggesting that that's a good idea by any stretch of the imagination. But I wonder if there are coaches that are taking kind of that philosophy of look, everybody's 
either going to get it or going to be exposed to it at some time. Let's just go ahead and expose everybody to it right now while we're not trying to win or lose games, deal with it, and move on and, and get back to, you know, whatever it is we need to do to get ready for a season. If there was a definitive answer to the question of whether or not you could contract the illness a second time, then it wouldn't surprise you at all for some coaches to have that approach, would it? Be like back when we were kids, Richard, and somebody got chicken pox, they would have everybody have a sleepover at that person's house so you could all just get it and get it out of the way. Well, I mean, I knew once you got chicken pox that you couldn't get it a second time. I, I, I was aware of that. I, I didn't know that uh, that was a, a tax that parents sometimes took. Oh, they would they would put kids together, yeah. You'd have a chicken pox sleepover? It. Yeah, just get it out of the way. Do you remember having <laughs> chicken pox as a kid? It was miserable. It's Awful. so bad. I, so have bad. A, uh, I have a scar on my left calf still. That uh, there was one, I have one chicken pox. Eyebrow. So I would have been uh, six or seven. Hey, it was. Uh, we still lived in Dyersburg, Tennessee at, at the time, and uh, I remember bumping into something and knocking a scab off, and it bled and bled and bled and bled. Oh yeah, whatever. And that scar is still there on the the inside of my left calf like I can look down and see it right now but uh, anyway it almost would be easier if we just knew that was the case if you get it once you're done forever and (laughs) I don't think medical officials if that is the case necessarily want it to be like fine let's do it because you want to talk about increased uh, an increased lack of social distancing because you got a yeah. ton of people right now. You're like, you know what? If it's inevitable, just let me get it and be done with it and, and move on. Obviously, that's not how you approach it if you're high risk or uh, you know at a different stage in life. And certainly, we've heard very, very serious and heartbreaking stories, and clearly, there have been lots and lots and lots of deaths. But um, for the, the younger crowd, up until, you know, kind of middle-aged folks, it doesn't seem to be having a, uh, a huge detrimental effect. But we don't know. And so we, uh, we continue to just kind of do the, uh, the best we can. Uh, golf is in the news today. The Travelers Championship is happening in Cromwell, Connecticut. There was a, a, a gubernatorial... Uh, yeah gubernatorial decree that was put down today for New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut that said any visitors coming into those states had to quarantine does not apply to the PGA Tour in their event in uh, Connecticut this week, but we do have some news from the golf world. It's a mix. There's some news that certainly gives you pause, but also some positive in that they have not shut down this week's event on the PGA Tour. Sports Talk Mississippi will be back with you right after this. There is seemingly less news today than there has been really going back to last Friday about the um, the state flag story in Mississippi. We won't ignore it altogether, and certainly if anything uh, 
newsworthy happens, we'll we'll bring you that info. Couple of things that um, that I'll tell you just based on some conversations I've had in the last twenty four hours. Um, there is some optimism, but it is very cautious optimism within the uh, the legislature of whether or not they're going to be able to get there. And and when I say get there, what I mean is a two-thirds majority to override the rules to bring some sort of a flag vote to the floor. Based on kind of what I've been able to gather, the most likely bill that would come to the floor is not a vote on a new flag, but rather a resolution or a bill that would decommission Abolish. I, I don't know. I think decommission is the word that I've heard more commonly, the existing flag, and then kind of figure out what to do going forward. Um, there has been some movement in terms of leadership making statements. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman issued a statement today, and he was quick to point out that um, he has reached the point where he believes that it is time for a change. He said, I'm not afraid to put it to a vote to the people of Mississippi. However, he believes that it's the legislature's job to make that decision. He also said um, this is not a decision based on economics, despite the fact that we have heard from economic leaders across the state that say it can hinder business growth. He said it is not a division uh, or a decision that he came to based on sports, though the inability to host postseason baseball, softball, tennis, etc. is a factor in all of this. He said he came to the decision, though, based on making Mississippi a better place for our children and grandchildren. And uh, if you want to read that uh, quote in its entirety, you can. Uh, yeah, there are a bunch of places you can find it. You can find it at, uh, at News Mississippi. There's a story there about that. Uh, you can go to the lieutenant governor's Facebook page and see the statement in its uh, in its entirety. W- one other thing of note, and I don't know that this has been talked about a lot yet, but it appears less likely than it has that the uh, legislature is going to be able to come to a close on Friday. That uh, the session could uh, very well be extended into next week. So we'll see where all of that goes. And uh, it's kind of where we are right now. You do have leadership from, uh, from Mississippi State, from Ole Miss, and I believe from Southern Miss and maybe some of the other colleges and universities in the, uh, in the state of Mississippi that are in Jackson today meeting with legislators that are at the Capitol uh, trying to kind of work through this process. Um, so that's kind of, kind of the update on, on where we are, at least as I know it. I, I don't know if you guys have heard anything different uh, other than than what I just kind of said today, if so, feel free to chime in. It didn't see yeah. anything different than than what you said. Uh, there was uh, some polling data that got released and seen a couple reports on it that say, at least according to this polling data, that uh, the majority of people in Mississippi actually favor change now, uh, which would could be, I guess, pretty significant motivation to for the legislatures to go ahead and do it um, because. If this poll is correct, the will of the people argument's kind of been taken away. Yeah. So, uh, really big golf story today. Had a uh, another yesterday. We got the news that uh, Cameron Champ on the PGA Tour tested positive. 
And then there was a, uh, a caddy, Brooks Kepka's caddy, has tested positive for COVID. Uh, Brooks Kepka has not, but out of an abundance of caution, he has withdrawn from the Travelers Championship. So has um, Ricky Fowler, right? Didn't Ricky Fowler withdraw? Uh, I will give you the full list here right now. Brooks Kepka's brother also withdrew. So uh, Kepka's brother, and that was after being a Monday qualifier. So that was a really big decision for him. He doesn't have status on the PGA Tour the way his brother does, uh, and had qualified to play in this tournament, but said, you know, out of uh, respect for the other players and caddies and officials, he was going to step away, kind of as an abundance of caution. So here are your players: Brooks Kepka, whose caddy tested positive; Webb Simpson, who had a family member uh, test positive. Uh, Cameron Champ, as you mentioned, he himself tested positive. Graham McDowell played a practice round with one of the aforementioned and then Brooks Kepka's younger brother, Uh, all of which uh, have withdrawn from the event. So far, almost 3,000 tests, 2,700 tests the tour has conducted and have only received seven positives so far. Okay. Yeah, as I said, Ricky Fowler, it was Ricky Elliott who was the caddy of Brooks Kepka. So... There we go. So there was a, a press conference at uh, 1.30 Central, uh, give or take, with uh, Jay Monahan, the uh, commissioner of the PGA Tour, and there was some trepidation as to what he was going to say, as to whether or not they were going to say, we can't keep going forward, we've got these positive tests, but he didn't do that. He said, we're going to continue to um, uh, kind of go with the plan that we put in place. They are enhancing some safety protocols. They are doing a um, uh, putting some penalties in place, although the PGA Tour never announces fines or penalties for players. Uh, in the event that uh, they find people are not following the safety protocols, they can be punished by the, uh, the PGA Tour. Uh, they are adding another layer of testing. Uh, you get tested before you leave the previous site to, uh, to get on the charter, and then you will be tested immediately after landing in the... Uh, the, the new city where the next event is going to uh, take place. So they're kind of standardizing the testing procedure for when players arrive at the new events. But I think it's really good news that the PGA Tour did not shut it down. And in the question and answer session of the, the media uh, availability that Jay Monahan had uh, with uh, the golf writers and the people that cover it, there were a number of guys that tried to say, okay, what what's the number going to be that would cause you to shut it down? And he kind of sidestepped that question Uh, and said, look, we believe that it's important for the PGA Tour to play. Uh, We believe it's important to be coming into golf fans' living rooms on Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays especially. And they believe in the protocols they've got in place. And they also recognize that as you look across the country and you see coronavirus spreading and, and kind of having a resurgence in some places, there are going to be more players, most likely, that test positive. But in terms of actual numbers and percentages, it's still a very, very small number, as Borky pointed out, just shy of 3,000 tests and only seven positives over the course of three weeks. And so they are going to move forward. I think it would have been a really bad sign for the NBA, for Major League Baseball, for college football as it continues to try to trudge forward if after seven positive tests and three players over the course of or two or three players over the course of I guess three uh, testing positive, if they just said, "All right, we got to shut it down," that that in, in terms of positive momentum for the sports world, that needed to not happen, and thankfully it didn't. It would have been a really bad decision as well. I mean, and Monahan had a great quote. He was asked about 
how can you press on if you have players testing positive? He said, until we have a vaccine, uh, we're going to have to deal with this. People are going to test positive. We knew this was going to happen. And so we have to deal with it, and everybody else has to deal with it, so so do we. Now, I thought that was really telling. It's, it's refreshing to hear somebody in sports just come out and say it. You know, it, we, we've said it on this show, and, and you can find the right people to have this conversation with, but it, it's been kind of danced around, and I understand why, in leadership positions, but it, no, golf isn't all that important, but it is still all of their jobs, and if they don't do their jobs, they don't get paid, and, and that actually means something to a lot of people, and he said, it's here, we don't have a vaccine, so... We have to deal with it, and that's just the reality. And it's nice to hear somebody in a position of leadership say that. doesn't mean he's insensitive to health. I mean, they're distributing a 1,000 of those detective bands uh, to players and caddies and people that work with them. I mean, they're doing whoop. things to— Whoop bands. Whoop bands, and that's what got their first positive. It was the band. It wasn't a test. It was the band detected a change in—I uh, think it was his breathing pattern when he was sleeping. Yeah. So, that, Which is incredible. It's not like they're— sacrificing these players' health and, and safety in their lives in order to put golf on. It's They know that the risks are there, but it's minimal that it'll harm them, and they're taking the correct precautions. It's here. we got to deal with it. L- let's play. And it's nice to hear that from somebody. So Jane Monahan said they're making several adjustments to their health and safety plan. They've conducted, as Borky pointed out a second ago, 2,757 tests over three weeks across both the PGA and Corn Ferry Tours with only seven positives and, once again, the withdrawals this week. Brooks Kepka, Webb Simpson, who had a, Brooks Kepka, who's tad, uh, caddy, tested positive. Webb Simpson, who has a family member that tested positive. Cameron Champ, who tested positive himself. Graham McDowell and Chase Kepka, who uh, withdrew out of what was described as an abundance of caution. So that's where you are on the PGA Tour. Sports Talk Mississippi, quick timeout. We'll be back with you on this Wednesday afternoon. Sit tight. You no. That no. does not work. <laughs> Burn it. I found a worse. Delete it and then throw away the computer. I found a worse song than this in the system. It's oh, it's a song that, called by the way? Big and Rich. Was it really? You know the uh, Yes, I'm aware of who Big and Rich college is. College Game Day guys. Yeah, it's my, uh, my it's eye them. just twitched involuntarily. Yeah, there's a worse song in here. Uh, I don't know who uploaded it and I don't want to know because I work with them every day. Uh, it's called Body Like a Back Road. And it is the single worst piece of music ever composed. I mean, worse than Red Solo Cup, worse than Brown Chicken, Brown Cow, worse than the songs that come out of my son's toys that he's got. Body Like a Back Red Road. Red Solo Cup at least is catchy. It, yeah, I guess. But it, it's worse than everything I just laid out. It's called Body Like a Back Road. It is the single worst song ever put together. Like, I could do better with we'll a couple it. of pens. Let me see if I can pull it up here. Body when I was like in, a time I was in Vegas. Toby Keith has a bar at uh, at Harrah's, and they had a Red Solo Cup night. It was like twenty five bucks, and they would refill your Red Solo Cup with beer for as long as you wanted. You 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 felt like you were back home, right? Sort of. I didn't go, but I, I saw the. I remember seeing the uh, the the signs for it. Yeah, I did. Not it's going to bring us in uh, the next segment. Oh, great! Yeah, I, I did not know that Big and Rich had done a. Uh, I, can you even call that a version of Shook Me All Night Long? 
It's oh, it's a version, all right. Yeah. It's a cover I, in the same way a bikini covers the whole body. <laughs> That's just awful. We are uh, we're happy to announce that we've got the eighth annual Palmer Home for Children Radiothon coming your way on Thursday, July twenty third, here on Super Talk Mississippi. Every year there are children across Mississippi that need a loving home, and that many times these children are caught in unimaginable circumstances. And that's why we need your help. You'll find how Palmer Home for Children rescues and restores children. It's a faith-based organization that does not take government money. So we're going to need your help. You have helped in so many ways over the last seven years, and we're calling on you once again to do just that. One of the many ways that you can do this is by donating an item to our Radiothon online auction. The money raised from your item will go directly to uh, help these children you've got something that you would like to donate, that you would be willing to donate to be auctioned off during the Radiothon, please let us know. Uh, the easiest way for you to do that is to email donate, D-O-N-A-T-E, at supertalk.fm. Uh, really, we've had sports memorabilia items. Uh, we've had outdoor items. We've had packages that uh, businesses or groups of businesses have uh, have put together. We've had individuals who have uh, donated services from their businesses or maybe have even gone out and bought services and then donated to them. And it's been very, very successful. You know, as we, we go through the Radiothon each year and we are relying on donations throughout the uh, the course of that day from 6 in the morning when Paul Gallo starts until we finish things up at, uh, at 6 in the evening, we, we've got that auction going on the side. And regardless of how big the number gets... It's always so cool after the fact to go, and oh, by the way, here's an additional, I don't know, ten, twelve, fourteen thousand dollars $14,000 that will be added to the total of money raised for, uh, for Palmer Home for Children. It is a, uh, a special place. It is a spectacular place. Unbelievable work is going on there for the children in the state of Mississippi, and we are humbly asking once again for your help in this endeavor. Look forward to being there July 23rd. Uh, I'm going to uh, go on vacation right before that, and that'll be my first day back, and it'll be a great way to uh, kind of get back in the uh, in the swing of things. So that'll be uh, a lot of fun uh, and and important work happening on the uh, 23rd of July. Again, if you would like to donate an auction item, you can do so uh, by sending us an email, kind of uh, making contact, and we'll take it from there with you. It is donate at supertalk.fm. Borky, we talked yesterday about Ole Miss picking up a uh, a commitment in football that was from Canada. They got another commitment today, a transfer from the Naval Academy. What are the details? Yeah, a guy named Jacob Springer. He was an all, and I spent the entire podcast this morning calling him an all ACC. Uh, linebacker. No, he is an all AAC linebacker. Pretty uh, significant difference there, but uh, 90 tackles, I think, a year ago, 100 over 100 tackles in two seasons uh, at Navy, was a second team all AAC uh, player, and he will go. not be immediately eligible. So he, he has two to play one, uh, barring some kind of a waiver that seems unlikely. Uh, but yeah, it, it's a position of need. I mean, anything on the defensive side of the ball for them is a position of need. A guy that has major Division One potential, obviously, had his best game a year ago against Notre Dame, so he rose to the occasion against you know a really good uh, football team. And 
Uh, I, I don't know the circumstances around why he's transferring. You don't hear people leaving the Naval Academy every day. But you would imagine that you know getting in uh, requires you to be a, a unique person. So uh, maybe he just sees a potential of being an NFL player, and the best path to do that is to go to the SEC where, I mean, potential day one starter next season. So uh, I don't know why he's transferring, but I know it's a position of need, even though he's sitting out this season due to transfer rules. Uh, somebody that they needed, a quality player at a, at a group of five program and uh, something that they just really need. Hey, Dad, we talk about development sometimes and sometimes how guys grow once they get on campus. The offer sheet for um, for Springer coming out of high school, Jacob Springer, was Army, Navy, Colgate, North Dakota State, and South Dakota State. In terms of teams that were recruiting him this time around, once he entered the transfer portal, Ole Miss, where he is committed, Illinois, Memphis, Michigan, Missouri, Notre Dame, Texas, Wisconsin, UCLA, and others. So he's gotten a little better over the course of a, a couple of college football seasons at the Naval Academy. He, he must have improved since his high school days. I don't. There can't be any question about that. And you know, this is one of those. If you're a anti-transfer portal kind of guy or girl. This is one of the things you're going to point to is, you know, smaller school takes a chance on a guy, develops him, and then, bam, all of a sudden the big schools show up and start calling on him. I think it's – I'm not going to use that as an example, but that's what some people might. I got a, uh, a message on Twitter with regard to shook me all night long. I said that was a version of it, and uh, somebody, uh, Lynn, actually sent me a message that says, Richard, that was a perversion of <laughs> – Shook me all night long. <laughs> well played. Well, I might well get ripped indeed. for my body like a backer thing. Seems like we have a couple of Sam Hunt defenders on the text line. And we also have a couple of red solo cup defenders on the text line, so I'm eating my own feet today. Eating your own feet? Foot and mouth eating. Yeah, no, I, I, I understand. Never heard it put that way before. That must be a Carolina thing. Yeah. So, um,. Any football news coming out of Starkville? Like actual football news? Talking to me? Uh, <laughs> yes, I'm talking to you, mister. I live in Starkville and cover Mississippi State for a living. Yes, that would be generally directed at you. Not even that I've heard of. Just a few minutes ago, uh, one of the assistant coaches, Coach uh, Steve Spurrier Jr., he retweeted a, uh, a tweet about a commitment. And I was like, oh, did somebody commit? And it was uh, the last name was Wally. Now, Jaden Wally is signed in his own campus with Mississippi State. He's got a brother, Justin, who's a big recruit this year. So I thought, okay, maybe the brother has committed to Mississippi State. No, he just re- he's just retweeting a year-old tweet where the kid committed to Mississippi State. Don't know what the deal is there. Uh, but threw me off for a minute. Beyond that, no, not a whole lot uh, uh, coming out right now. I saw yesterday on Twitter uh, Dave Emmerich said, that uh, if you want, Coach Leach is going to do sort of a Q&A where if you send a video of your question, he'll answer it. So I don't know if that may be a way to get an impromptu press conference going, but we'll see. Or we could just buy cameos. That's Well, I don't know that you guys are going to – will corner office uh, approve those expenses? I get, Man, my stimulus check finally came in. I've got like 10 chances to get Mike Leach to do a good cameo now. I've got some questions for you then. That's what you call it. It finally came. It finally came in the version of a credit card that still had that. incorrect yeah. names on it. <laughs> You're going to use it anyway? Oh, see, I just went to the bank and they put it right into our account. They said, uh, I'm not the only one. But still, I, I mean, they put my wife's maiden name on the card this time. 
That's fair enough. It's just ridiculous. But yeah, Wait, so I can. So, so you were able to take the credit card and then go deposit the funds from the credit card into an account. You didn't have to spend them off of the credit card. That's right. Yeah. Okay. What are you going to do with the money? Buy Mike Leach cameos. What else are you going to do with the money? That's it. I'm going to stimulate the economy by buying 15, I think if my math is correct, 15 Mike Leach cameos. How'd this uh, idea go uh, when you floated it to your wife earlier today? I haven't told her yet, but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. she's expecting things. But, I mean, w think about what can come from Mike Leach cameos. It'll be fine. I mean, I'm, I'm going to ask him about... Uh, the, the scientist in Antarctica that found evidence of an alternate universe where time is moving backwards. And, I mean, that might take up my whole time right there, but that'd be worth it. Generally speaking, I don't like the idea of going back in time. I'd, I'd, I'd rather just fast forward past 2020, but I don't know, going back in time, if we didn't have to re-travel through 2020 again, I might be uh, up for that. If we could take an alternate route, a detour... Sports Talk Mississippi. Be right back. Got a girl from the south side. So you text line 601-879-4395. Jeff says, I think Ryan should purchase Richard a Hugh Freeze cameo for his birthday. I, I have replied to that. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I don't think... Uh, yeah. I said, buddy, if he was on there, I would do that regardless of price. Well, they've got their own problems to deal with over there right now. Imagine that. Um, Bubba, our friend at Southern Craft Stove and Tap with locations in Oxford and in Tupelo, sent us a message on the C Spire text line that said they were going to donate a private in-home dinner for six for the Palmer Home for Children mm -hmm. online auction. Certainly appreciate that and uh, gave him the uh, contact info. Uh, if you missed that email address earlier, you just send us a message on the uh, C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. We'll give you the email address and contact info. And if uh, you have any other questions or concerns or issues that uh, we need to work out, we will uh, work with you to do just that. That's if uh, you've got something that you would like to donate for the uh, online auction. Hey, Dad, that's the place that uh, you enjoyed the food so much that day. Yeah, that place is good. I would suggest bidding on that. Yep. I am uh, I'm with you. Richard and Wiggins says, hey, Borky, hey, big man, let me hold a dollar. Buddy, this is all the money that I've got to spend, like everything else. you're going to spend them on cameos. Uh, see, this is, like, I'm viewing this as an investment, right? Because Wait, was that the song I was singing ago? Yeah, Not and you talked money. right over it. Yeah, Which is fine, because it it's terrible. You could but, tell how bad it was just from the opening it, few minutes. Though. It's just, we got a text that said, why would uh, you want a body like a back road? Has he been around here? <laughs> Bumpy and gross. But, um, yeah, it's an investment. Because what could come... Some would describe back roads as narrow and curvy, though. Yeah, some. Uh, not the I mean, ones you, you're that, going I, that I grew together. up on. Yeah, he's so negative. Oh, I'm just saying, our back roads were not narrow and curvy. They were bumpy and sketchy and where high school kids used to go to smoke pot. <laughs> it's just, you knew all the roads, huh? No, nah, man, was not my thing. Anyway, I view the Mike Leach. <laughs> Anywho. Uh, uh, the cameo thing is an investment. 
So I, I am taking the money that the government gave me. I'm just kidding. The money that the government took from me, but so graciously gave back to me in a smaller quantity than they should have. And I'm investing it to help advance my business. And so I work here on this show. And 15 Mike Leach cameos would greatly benefit this show. It would probably be the best show ever getting to play Mike Leach talking about the Flat Earth Theory. Mike Leach talking about alternate universe. Mike Leach talking about whatever I've come up with to get him to talk about would be a great investment for the future of the show. So that's how I view it. Okay. Now, you're just not as this committed is... as I am. That's okay. I get that a lot. I'm a very hard worker and dedicated worker, and you're not. That's fine. Okay. I'm just going to let that one hang out there. I'm not taking the bait on that, Borky. <laughs> not taking the bait. I like this story. Iowa State football coach Matt Campbell is helping his assistant coaches offset a portion of the 10% salary reduction that they will absorb during the athletic department's temporary COVID-19 salary cuts. This is cool. According to documents uh, at the Des Moines Register received through a Freedom of Information Act, Campbell's 10% salary reduction between July 1st of this year and June 30th of next year amounts to a total of just shy of half a million dollars. Um, it's $350,000 based on the reduction of his average $3.5 million salary through December 31st and an additional 147000 to offset some of the reduction from an assistant coach salary pool. Last year, Iowa spent about $5 million on football assistance. So he's taking a $350,000 cut and then is, if I'm reading that correctly, donating $147,000 or, or taking an additional cut for money that can be redistributed to uh, the assistant coaches. That's really cool. He seems like a good guy. Yeah. He does. Where is he coaching in 2021? Mm. That's a good question. Because you got him, and then P.J. Fleck was just a non-starter for most people because the way his contract was worked, that paying his buyout would have I mean, been a lot for any school that wanted to be a suitor. But next year, that buyout goes down to like a million five or something like that. They wanted to make sure he was around say, for another year, but he's out there too. I, I'm going to say that Matt Campbell is going to be coaching at Iowa State in 2021. Now, I, I don't think he's going to be coaching there forever. But I think this is going to be a weird offseason. I think the season is going to be weird. It may be a little bit disjointed. I think we're going to play football. I hope we're able to get all the way through the year and you know go through a college football playoff and bowl season and, and whatnot. Uh, I think we will get through it, but I think the whole – the whole firing coaches thing is going to be dramatically different this year because you're going to have athletic departments all over the country that are in budget crunches and the appetite for writing either writing big checks or committing yourself to long-term buyouts I don't think there's going to be a lot of appetite for that this particular year and so maybe great jobs won't open Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm Wednesday afternoon. Thanks for being with us, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. Let's go to the Farm Bureau phone line. 
where we will visit with Ryan Brown from Jocks in Birmingham, Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favrates.com for a quote today and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Ryan, what's up, man? I am just sitting on my screened-in porch watching it rain. Very old man thing for me to do, but um, it's raining, so you know what I'm not doing. Yeah, I know what you're not doing. Have you been playing a bunch of golf? Actually, I have, yeah. yeah. Good for I've been, you. Uh, I've, been, I've been playing as much as, much as possible. So, uh, uh, yeah, this we've actually had really good weather for it. I mean, the rain to hit at just the right time. The courses are really good around here right now, and there just haven't been a lot of washout days where you couldn't play at all. So it's actually been a perfect early summer for golf. Yeah, this has actually been kind of a fun year for me because as opposed to talking about wishing that I could play golf, I've actually gotten to play golf uh, a little bit more, and it's been uh, a heck of a lot of fun. It's funny how when you play regularly, it's almost like you play better. Funny how Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It's, it's almost like practice makes you better too, right? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Anything on the uh, the news front as it pertains to Alabama or Auburn, uh, just I guess I would say maybe beyond the the news of positive tests for coronavirus. Not really. That has been uh, kind of what everybody's paying attention to, and there have been reports that you know there have been further tests. You know, one, two, three that haven't been announced that have been um, you know positive uh, tests, coronavirus positive, COVID positive. Um, you know, I, I can't verify that. I'm just saying those are those are reports that have been floating around out there and. I certainly couldn't verify a number. I do think it's a very small number. I don't think, um, you know, when Alabama first showed up and there were five guys that tested positive, and that was one of the first schools in the country to make that announcement, a lot of people freaked out. I don't think it's led to any sort of, you know, widespread issue there in Tuscaloosa. In fact, you know, since then, many more schools have had many more positive tests. So, yeah, I I think it's best I could tell under control in Tuscaloosa and in Auburn right now. I don't think that's that big of an issue. Why did people freak out about it? Were they just not paying attention going into this? I mean, was there was there some scenario where people had let themselves believe that you're going to bring 75 to 100 college-age people back onto campuses all over the country and we weren't going to have positive tests? Um, I mean, I think there are a lot of reasons people freaked out. I think one is because people thought they were supposed to freak out. But, you know, that's the, the reaction I'm supposed to have to this. Um you know, I guess maybe some people thought that if early on in this experiment of bringing players back, if there were numerous positive tests, then the experiment would be over. I just, you know, I don't, I don't know what people expected that that we're having a freakout reaction to this. I mean, you're bringing 105 players or under 20 players, whatever the number is, from different parts of the country. I mean, especially Alabama, they recruit nationally, right? I mean, sure, you got a core of kids from Alabama, but you've got. You know, Najee Harris. Yep, the rain on his back porch got him sitting on the screen. Did, uh, did we lose him? Is he there? I think we lost him. We'll uh, we'll try again. I think the point that he was making was that uh, players are coming from all over the country, right? I mean, you got a bunch of Alabama kids, and then after that, you've got kids on your team that are from all over the place, from California, from New York, from Arizona, from the Midwest, from, you know, the state of Florida, 
And so you're bringing a bunch of people from a bunch of different environments into a relatively controlled environment. At least I think that's where you were going with that, Ryan, is that yeah. Yeah. whether it's Najee Harris or others, they're coming from all over the place. Yeah, until the COVID police shut me down there. That's what I was saying was that, you know, I mean, it was to be expected that people were going to fail. Uh, yeah, I have to test positive. And the sad thing is, it's like, um, you know, for instance, I'm, I know the family of one of the kids that was positive. I, w- I would never say his name because it's almost as if you wear a scarlet letter if you if you test COVID positive. Um I mean, it's almost like you've got leprosy or something, and that's really sad. I mean, this is—I know the kid that tested and uh, that, that tested positive, and he was living carefully. He was doing what he was supposed to do. He was going about workouts. He was just doing his normal thing. He had no clue he had it. Absolutely no clue. He was floored. In fact, his parents had him tested again just to verify um, that, that he was COVID positive. So um, it's. It, you know, I mean, this, these are just weird times we're in, and I, I, I don't know why people freaked out so much. I mean, we're three months at that time, three months from the start of the season, and you got, say, 200, 250 tests, and five people tested positive. I mean, to me, that was as good as, could have, as it could have gone. Let's try some actual football for a second. I'm fascinated sure. by the quarterback battle in Tuscaloosa. I don't remember if you and I have talked about this or not. I do think I remember you talking about the fact that you were really impressed with Mac Jones and yep. uh, what he did and the opportunities that he had at the end of the year. There are a lot of people that are comparing the Bryce Young situation to when Tua Tonga-Vailoa uh, came in and was uh, eventually able to uh, supplant Jalen Hurts. Is this the same situation, or is it different? And if it's different, why? Well, I, I, well it is different in that you know Jalen Hurts was a known successful to the national championship game starter. For Alabama, uh, Mac Jones has started four games, so there is the difference there. That Mac Jones is far less accomplished than what Jalen Hurts was, and the other difference is um, that, that Bryce Young didn't get a spring. Uh, we, we we have not seen him at all. Nobody has laid eyes on him playing quarterback in an Alabama uniform. He hasn't had the you know the all important snaps that uh, a freshman would have gotten in spring football and in the workouts that you know were between spring football and fall camp. So he is. Well, this is not going wonderfully. Must be must be a mobile going through the tunnel. No, he said he was sitting on his back porch watching Man. it rain. You you think he was creating an alibi for himself? It's somewhere on on the Robert Trent Jones trail right now. Yeah. Um I actually was pretty fascinated in uh, in where we were going with uh, that. All right, we'll try this one last time. If you drop again, we're not calling you back, Ryan. Hey, Dad's, by the way, is convinced that you're actually driving through the Mobile Tunnel, not sitting on your back porch. Oh, no. No, 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 no. That is incorrect. I heard him say Robert Trinkville's trail there at the end of that series. I am not playing golf. I promise you. I wish I was. Um, but, no, I mean, Bryce Young's got an advantage in that he's not trying to supplant a guy that went to a national championship game, but he's got a disadvantage in that he's missed a really critical portion of time that could have been very helpful to him yeah you know in in a lot of ways that's kind of the same story at Ole Miss I mean it's not with uh, you know a five-star hot shot coming in and trying to figure it out but a new coaching staff trying to figure out who the heck their guy is when oh is it you, you, it might not be Plumley. oh I I think that is altogether possible that Matt Corral really? has a starting job 
Yeah. Wow. I, I thought Plumlee had that on pretty good lockdown there. No, I mean, I, I think it's because of, you know, the the lack of ability to consistently complete passes. Now, if, if he has grown in that, and, and I guess that's kind of the point that I'm making, is they didn't get to go through a spring where these coaches were working with him, and you don't know what he's accomplished kind of working individually with some quarterback coaches during the offseason. Yeah. And, and well, and, and, and at the time, Blake Simpson ended up being Alabama's all-time leading passer. And uh, I think there are a lot of Alabama fans at least have called our show and say that they think Kiffin could do the same thing with Plumlee and develop him into more than just a wing T quarterback into an actual dual threat guy. So that's really interesting. I, I was I was unaware he was under that kind of pressure, maybe not even keeping the job. Yeah, and, and I mean, I'm that's complete speculation. Lane Kiffin hasn't said anything publicly to uh, to make us kind of believe that or one way or the other. But I mean, the arm talent is there with Matt Corral. I mean, there's there's no question about that, but he doesn't have the same playmaking ability with his feet. To me, the the fascinating piece of that as it pertains to Ole Miss is if Matt Corral ultimately wins the job, what are you going to do with John Rice Plumlee? Because that's a talent that you have to have on the field. I mean, Alabama knew what he was going to do, and he ran up and down the field on Alabama at Bryant-Diddy Stadium. I think he had 200 rush yards in that game. It was crazy. Um so, yeah, I would agree with you. You've got to find a way to get him on the field, even if he's not quarterback. I mean, he's, he's too talented of, uh, of an athlete. Who, who do you think's got the more difficult assignment this year? Um, is, is it Mike Leach in Mississippi State with the system that he's trying to put in or Lane Kiffin with the system that he's trying to put in at Ole Miss? Um, that's a really good question because, um, you know, I, I – Leach obviously kind of scanned the quarterback landscape, and I don't guess like what he saw, so he got in the transfer game uh, pretty quickly. Um, so got you know, a good I don't one. know that he's got – yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I, I think he, he turned out well in that situation. Um, you know, I've, I've had a lot of people tell me that that air rate is so quarterback-friendly that it's a much easier installation for quarterbacks than some of these other offenses because all the, all the receptions are – you know, all the throws are so easy for you. Everything's just right there in front of you. And um, so it might be Mike Leach. I mean, just put in that air rate that he's put in 100 times anytime he's been to a different job. He may be the guy that, that has a slight advantage because of that. Yeah, we'll see how it uh, plays out. Hope the rain quits and you're able to get back on the golf course soon, my friend. Thanks for your time. Yeah, sorry about all the phone issues there. You guys take care. It's all good. Ryan Brown from Jocks in Birmingham. He is co-host of the Jocks Roundtable. Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. NFL games are going to look a little bit different this year. We know there are going to be limited numbers of fans, if any, in the stands. If you watch a soccer match, I had one on the television behind me just a second ago. Uh, Liverpool and Crystal Palace has now gone final with the Reds winning 4 0. Hey, Dad! I'm diverting from the topic I was on just for a second ago. So I've just like kind of joked in the past about, oh, my EPL team is Manchester United? Yeah. Because somebody told me one time, somewhere along the way, they were the New York Yankees of the EPL. I was like, ah, that'd be as good as any. That they are. Um, I don't know that that's... I have no allegiance to Man U or anybody else. I know you're a Chelsea fan. 
that I am. What what would be the argument for picking a team? Like who it should be? Well, I would definitely. Like I really pick like the whole the the thing where the Liverpool fans all sing before the game together as a as like the whole we ever, never walk along thing. They did, but but all every or every team has its along. own songs and everything like that. You're not missing okay. out. Now Liverpool's might be the coolest, but um, yeah. I would definitely pick one of the big six. I would not pick one of the others. You don't want to be a, a squad that you know you're year in and all of a sudden you're getting relegated. And outside of the big six, all right. Let me see if I can name the big six. Okay. Um, Manchester United, mm-hmm. Manchester City, mm-hmm. Chelsea, mm-hmm. Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Leicester City's not part of the big, big no. six, even though they won it a couple of years ago. They were no. a team that had been. There's a reason they were five thousand to one. Yeah. Uh, oh, who am I not thinking of? They're both in London. Oh, uh, to- Tottenham, Tottenham Hotspur, and then who would the sixth one be? Arsenal. Okay, there you go. So of those six, which should I pitch? Pick, pick if I'm not like married to Manchester United. Is you want to be my cool? rival? You, you want you to go to keep the state Ole Miss thing going here and be, be against me? Well, I mean, I don't really care about that, but sure, why not? You would be a Tottenham Hotspur fan if that was the way you were going to go. But yeah, they've got a cool new stadium. They do. It's really nice. Empty but infield's case, pretty though. cool, also or on field or and field. Anfield. However, I'm su- yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's the, they're all cool. For you, I mean, United would probably be a good choice. But of course, they're owned by the. No, the Liverpool. You can't pick Liverpool. You can't. They're owned by the Red Sox. Yeah, the Fenway Sports so, Group or whatever owns them. Yeah, yeah. So hmm. United's a good choice. Is Liverpool any good? Liverpool's going to win the title. They've already. Uh, they've basically wrapped it up. What are you talking about? Oh, so now that's why you're telling me I can't pick Liverpool because they're they're winning it all. I'm telling you, you shouldn't pick them because they're owned by the Red Sox. I wouldn't pick a a. a, a if the Celtics owned a team, I wouldn't cheer for that team. Hotspur is yeah. actually not a bad choice for you. The definition of Hotspur is a rash or impetuous person. I'm sorry, Bork, you were breaking up. I, I couldn't hear you. <laughs> I think that Hotspur, the Tottenham Hotspur, should be your team. Yeah, you don't don't ever call them Hotspur. That's not that we, that's, we don't do that. They're either Tottenham Hotspur or just Spurs. That's all it is. Okay. Well, then why? Never mind. Okay, I, that, I'm just confused. So why would you be the you know, Spurs if that's not what you whatnot. are? They just go by Spurs. I don't know. They're not the Spurs. Yeah. They're Spurs. Who who owns Manchester United? Uh, the Glazers who own the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's right. Yeah. Would you rather own an NFL me, team? Nah, probably not. <laughs> what was your question about an NFL team? Would you rather own an NFL team... A major league baseball team, an NBA team, or an EPL team? I wouldn't choose baseball here. That's not very profitable. <laughs> uh, I'd probably go with an NFL team if I had to pick. The the, um, the the Steinbrenner family might argue to the contrary. They, they might, but I'm just saying. Might. Yeah, I would go. Uh, I would. I would probably pick NFL. Yeah. Anyway. The whole reason I got off on that was if you watch a soccer match right now, you will notice that uh, they have um, tarps over the seats uh, around the stadium. But they are not blank tarps. They are tarps that uh, have uh, advertising on them. And 
My guess is that advertising is a source of revenue. I doubt they're doing it just out of the goodness of their hearts. According to Sports Business Daily, NFL teams have been told that they will be able to sell camera-visible signage to local sponsors for the first time during the 2020 NFL season, a step that one sales executive said would significantly defray pandemic-related revenue losses under a plan that will be shared with, or I'm sorry that was shared with team presidents yesterday. The first six to eight rows of seating in every stadium, including on-field suites, will be off-limits to fans this season. That move is officially to protect players, coaches, and team staff from coronavirus exposure, but it would also free up that space to become lucrative sponsorship assets. NFL's going to look different in a lot of ways. Yeah, it is. Forgive me if this is a dumb question, uh, but considering how... How many viewers the, the, these games get? What is more valuable? The amount of fans that fit in the first six rows of, of a stadium and uh, not only the tickets, but the pay to rights to buy those tickets and all the beer and stuff that they buy. Is that more valuable than what slapping a massive corporate logo that is always visible to 24 million people? Which one's more valuable to the team? You kind of think it's the advertising. I would think. I mean, if you, especially like you just said, if I can put my company's logo at the 50-yard line of, of the Superdome and you're going to see it all game long, yeah, I mean, you can't beat that. But, but Borky, this hasn't been an option previously. This is the right, first time yeah. that the NFL has ever allowed teams to sell that space to local sponsors. I so, asked the question, though, because what if they, they do sell it for more? Really like it. And they decide this is better. You, you could see that potentially going forward, but the other question is whether or not the TV partners would sign off it on a, on an ongoing basis, or, or the the league sponsorship partners. So, you know, Anheuser Busch, I think Bud Light is the official beer of the NFL. So, this advertising deal you can't conflict with the league's corporate partners. So, you can't go out and sell Miller Coors a sponsorship where their logo is going to appear on all these games to Haydad's point on the 50-yard line on a tarp right there. But if you want to sell to a local Anheuser-Busch distributor, you could. And and th- those logos could go on there. So, Will colleges jump on this, though? That's the next question. That That is a very reasonable question. But is there... Or, and then the other question is, is there enough money to make that worth your while? Well, I would think any money is better than no money if you're not getting if you can't bring fans in. You know, if you're just getting ten grand, it's worth whatever. It's a little more convoluted though in the college level because most of these schools have media rights partnerships. Mm-hmm. And Learfield IMG College is is the biggest of those. And so the way those are set up, usually there's a guarantee of you know x number of dollars to the school and then anything beyond the guarantee there's some sort of a revenue split so it's not like Ole Miss or Mississippi State could cover the first 10 rows of seats and sell C Spire or Mississippi Farm Bureau a sponsorship where the school just gets all of that money that would go through the media rights partner 
and it would either help the media rights partner be able to fulfill their obligation or some split of money over the obligation would go to the school. So it wouldn't, I mean, let's just say you sold a a million-dollar advertising package to, you know, one of those two companies that I mentioned, uh, C Spire or or Mississippi Farm Bureau. It's not like that would be a million dollars that goes directly to the athletics department in Starkville or directly to Ole Miss. Um, I guess indirectly, at least some of the money would go, but it wouldn't be like it just goes straight into the coffers. Right. They'd figure something out, though. I mean, you got to believe. And, and on top of anything else, anything else, it's just aesthetically, it just looks better than empty seats. Now, obviously, you could just that. you know put a big M State up or a big Ole Miss logo up or whatever yeah. if you wanted to do that. But you know, the the other thing that I money? wondered about is. When you watch soccer, you've got, you know, for the length of the field opposite the cameras. And maybe mm-hmm. maybe it's all the way around, but you've got those digital video boards yeah, that run the length the of the field on the sidelines. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wonder when we're going to get to the point where we see those in college football. Soon. Especially because there needs to be, in some games that I've seen, a barrier between people on the sideline and the field. Those sidelines nope. get so crowded. And the stuff that they have, there needs to be something that can maybe stop a player from getting into that. The only difference is uh, there's people standing on the sidelines of a college football game, and then soccer game, they're all sitting. Well, yeah, down. but you would put them behind those video boards. To me, the yeah. only concern would be a player going crashing into one of yeah. those boards yeah. if it lines the sideline. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Wednesday afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. Thanks for being with us. Ceasefire text line is open 601 879 4395. If you're ready for a better phone, Ceasefire is here to help. Get up to $700 off top smartphones online when you trade in a device and add a new line. Plus, find options like free same day delivery and curbside pickup in select locations. Shop now at ceasefire.com. Um, Ross Dellinger through a story at uh, Sports Illustrated has kind of dived into covering the state flag issue. There was a tweet earlier today where he said, is the NCAA's unprecedented ban on postseason events in Mississippi bringing change? It's complicated. Here's a story on the intersection of sports and politics in the nation's most racially tense region. And he points out that there was an original two-flag proposal by lawmakers that died in part because it wouldn't satisfy the NCAA. According to sources, the Mississippi House could see a flag vote soon, but the Senate still doesn't have the votes. College presidents and maybe coaches could be in Jackson this week to lobby. We know for a fact that college presidents are in uh, Jackson today uh, lobbying the legislature. There was a picture that was uh, floating around on Twitter earlier uh, that included... Dr. Mark Keenum, and it included um, Dr. Rodney Bennett and, from Southern Miss, and it also included um, uh, Dr. Glenn Boyce, who is, uh, of course, the, pre- the uh, chancellor at Ole Miss, and then all the, uh, the other um, presidents and chancellors from the uh, universities across the state of Mississippi as well. So... Uh, interesting stuff that uh, this is uh, obviously Ross has some ties to the state of Mississippi uh, was in Baton Rouge and worked for the Advocate covering covering LSU for a while 
and uh, and more. Not just a, a local story, hey, Dad, certainly one that has pick, been picked up at the national level. Yeah, yeah it's, and, and will continue to be that way until some sort of resolution, be it a new flag, a decision to put it to an ele- uh, a vote, or you know, if they just shut it down and say we're not going to fool it right now, whatever happens, there's going to be uh, more media attention on this. Switch gears to college baseball just for a second. Uh, I say college baseball, college slash major league baseball. We talked about the draft and the effects that it could have on um, Mississippi State. No couple of players that were already on Mississippi State's team were drafted. Uh, Jordan Westberg and um, Foscue. Justin Foscue. Thank you very much. Blaze Jordan has now signed with the Red Sox as well. Uh, and that's in addition to the, uh, the young man from Pennsylvania. I, I'm just Austin completely Hendrick. blanking on names. Sorry. Say again? Austin Hendrick. Yeah, Austin Hendricks, who was a first-round pick and, and got paid and fantastic for him. Blaze Jordan, though, is one that uh, there was some question about. The Red Sox, though, have gotten a deal done with their third-round pick. Slot value for the number 89 selection in the draft was $667,900 for Blaze Jordan. He signed with the Red Sox for $1.75 million. Yeah, and that had been the uh, the talk that he was going to have a big number and uh, whoever team drafted him was going to have to try to meet that. So getting well over a million uh, over slot value, is I, I guess he's, he's there. Same thing's going to be the case for JT Ginn. He's got a big number. We talked last week about the, the Mets had signed one of their uh, their their guys at the $20,000 minimum, so they had saved about $600,000. I would expect I would expect JT Ginn's number to be around a million over what he's, he's slotted to get as well. Have we seen any official word on that yet, or no? Have not. Has not happened yet. Yeah. Borky, I don't know that I've seen officially where it was announced that Anthony Servideo and Tyler Keenan signed, but there's no doubt that they were going to. Right, yeah. Have uh, not seen anything official just yet, though. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> would we have a Game 3 in the College World Series finals tonight, or would it have all been wrapped up last night? Would have been <laughs> Depends. Sarantola Is Arkansas versus... playing? Sarantola versus who was Ole Miss's third starter? Uh, Derek Diamond. Sarantola versus Diamond for all the marbles. Topics on this show would be a little bit different uh, than they have been. We also we would all be sitting in Omaha right this second, probably. Yeah, no, uh, no question there. Um, going back to our conversation with uh, with Ryan Brown earlier today from Jocks, did his reaction to the question about? John Rice Plumley and Matt Corral surprise you? No, because that's no. that's how it's viewed nationally. I mean, I, I did a hit earlier today, and it was that's they, they didn't even know the name Matt Corral. Just had no idea. It didn't even it, it didn't even occur to them that there's going to be some level of quarterback battle because, and I don't mean to throw them under the bus. They had seen Ole Miss play one time. You want to guess what the one time they saw Ole Miss play was? LSU. It was LSU. So, and Ryan Brown is definitely not one of those people. I mean, he's he's as in depth college football as you can find in the country. But that that is a thing nationally. Is people don't even know who Matt Corral is, and they think it's just the Plumley Show, and and there's no competition. And 
I keep trying to tell people there's at least going to be competition. Maybe Plumlee wins, and I'm sure if he does win, Kiffin's got a great plan, better than the one that they had last year, uh, to maximize his skill set. But it's not a given to him at all. If you remember last year when we were at SEC Media Days, I did a, an interview with uh, Cole Kublik and the guys at Three Man Front. And when I, I said to them pretty clearly, I was like, you know, Tommy Stevens is going to be the quarterback. They were in shock. They thought that was Keaton Thompson's job the whole way. I mean, it really, the, the bubble for people, what they pay attention to here in Mississippi uh, is, is pretty much limited to when State and Ole Miss are playing the, uh, the schools like Alabama and LSU. Uh, C Spire text line, let's not kid ourselves. Ole Miss would have bombed end of season or lost to their third seed in the regionals. Okay. I was just trying to be uh, nice. Yeah. Mike in Oxford says Ole Miss would have swept Louisville in the national championship series. That's not what we're going with, Mike. We're going with a different way. Uh, I mentioned a line that um, Ross Dellinger used kind of to promote the story. He says, where do you think Mississippi is the most racially tense part of the U.S.? Um, I've been out west. That's where all the racism is. Yeah, I don't like Mississippi being labeled that way. I I will say that Ross did not say that Mississippi was. He said Mississippi was in a region that was racially charged, I think was the uh, word that he... pull it up and read it to you again exactly. Uh, but he didn't say that Mississippi specifically was in that uh, that spot. Good grief. Where did it go? Here it is. Sorry, I just closed that window on my computer. It says, um, on the intersection of sports and politics in the nation's most racial, racially tense region. And I think he was kind of pointing to the southeastern United States as the region that he was talking about. I think. Yeah, that's not specific. Because to I do state. not believe that Mississippi is the most racially tense region of the country. Not even close. Not right now, it's not. That's for sure. Even with this flag thing going on. Right. Um, if Matt Corral were to win the starting job for Ole Miss, what would you? How, how would you envision John Rice Plumley's role? Hmm, that's a really good question. I've thought about it a lot. And, I mean, can you just throw him in the slot? I don't know if that's the most appropriate use for him either. I mean, maybe you do just run it um, similarly, but with differences, obviously, to the Chris Leak-Tim Tebow thing, where you have this athlete that can do different things than your quarterback, but you have your quarterback, and in certain situations – you bring in said athlete to do things. I mean, we talked all last year about the Taysom Hill role, and even they're different. Taysom Hill's a little bit more of a bruiser uh, than Plumlee is. He's just he's a much bigger guy. So they even those two do different things, but the concept still holds. I mean, uh, Taysom Hill, this coming season especially, I bet he'll take a dozen snaps at quarterback a game. I mean, they plan on using him that much in that role, and maybe it's something like that, but I don't know if you just – throw him out there at the slot and tell him to go catch passes, that's not the best use of him either because he can play quarterback. You've seen it. If he loses that job, maybe that's still where you keep him. You just utilize him in creative ways and, and get him touches. But I just I don't know if you can just throw that kid out in the slot and say, hey, go run a slant and catch the ball. That doesn't really make sense either.
Hey, Dad, we were um, – you and I were talking last night, and we were talking about kind of Lane Kiffin and working with different programs, and uh, Ryan even mentioned Blake Sims, who at the time became Alabama's single-season leading passer with Lane Kiffin calling plays. Alabama wasn't good offensively on that team, though, because specifically of Blake Sims. They ran that offense through Calvin Ridley because he was the playmaker, and they did it in a lot of different ways. Maybe that's what it ends up looking like, where you just kind of run your offense through him in a variety of ways. Yeah. I mean, it'd be, fa- be fascinating to see if we ever actually get football. And that was Amari Cooper was still on that team, too. So. I don't know where we're going to end up on this state flag thing. Whether or not we're going to see a change, whether or not we're going to see the current flag decommissioned and then spend some time trying to kind of figure out what to do going forward. But I will tell you this. In terms of public support, the amount of positive momentum that has been generated since last Friday is overwhelming. And it's got to matter for something. It's got to mean something, right? Now, you do have legislatures who are speaking out in the other direction. You have seen university presidents. You have seen coaches. You have seen athletics directors come out. Richard, it's not all about sports. You're right, it's not. You have seen a staggering number of business leaders in the state of Mississippi come out. Richard, it's not all about money. You're right, it's not. You have seen multiple religious organizations, both individually through churches and ministers within churches and also through entire organizations like the Mississippi Baptist Convention yesterday come out for it unanimously for what it's worth and well it's not just about churches rich okay what else is it about <laughs> you have now seen what i have been led to believe for well over a decade now is one of if not the most powerful lobby groups in the state of Mississippi come out And I think there's an argument to be made that this is a game-changer. Speaker Gunn told us on Friday that the announcement from the SEC and the NCAA on Thursday night and Friday morning was a game-changer in terms of the debate over the flag because it was the first tangible, we are actually losing something. It wasn't just conjecture. It wasn't just an idea. It was tangible. This is going away because of the flag. I would tell you this is a game changer as well. You've heard of Bully Block? That is the lobbying organization that supports Mississippi State and the IHL. That's how they describe themselves in their Twitter handle. Statement comes from Bully Block. Bully Block supports university leadership, students, IHL and others throughout our state in calling on the Mississippi legislature to retire the current Mississippi flag. A new flag that unites rather than divides is the only way forward for our university and state. I don't remember if I said this on the radio. I know I've said it to both of you individually. Going back to at least Friday, maybe it was Monday of this week. I said, I've heard for 10 or 15 years now how powerful Bully Block is in terms of lobbying in the state of Mississippi. We're about to find out how much Bully Block loves Mississippi State baseball. 
I get that this statement is about more than Mississippi State baseball. But if this lobby is indeed as powerful as we've all been led to believe, then that is a massive statement today that comes from an organization that works hand-in-hand with all of the legislature uh, legislators who have some tie to Mississippi State. It's a big deal. Also appreciate the short, sweet, and to-the-point nature of the statement. No runaround, nothing. Just, here's what we think. Thank you. Yep. 601-879-4395 is the number for you to be a part of the conversation if you would like to do so this afternoon on the C Spire text line. Got a message at the end of the last segment that said, make Plumley a Wes Welker type player. Maybe he's athletic enough, speed and whatnot. I just, I think you could use him in more creative ways than that wide receiver. I think you could force touches to that kind of athlete more often than lining him up in the slot. And maybe they used Welker in more ways than that, but I don't know. I just, a move to wide receiver to me doesn't look like something that's in the cards, at least on a permanent level where that's what he plays now. He's got to be on the field, though. Yep. He's got to be on well, the field. Well, and don't you just move him around to a bunch of different spots? I mean, some of the time you line him up in the backfield, some of the time you line him up in the slot. Every grunt, great once in a while, you, you do like LSU did with um, uh, with Clyde Edwards Hilaire. You look up, and he's the guy that is widest. The, he's the widest receiver on the field. Right. Like he's right. almost, he's three steps from the sideline as a full on wideout. And I'm not saying that he doesn't win the job. But we'll see. It's a conversation of if he doesn't win the job, how do you use him? How do you utilize that talent? Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We will be back. Mike in Oxford points to Christian McCaffrey at Stanford. And that's that's actually a comparison that I used with Haydad when we were talking about Ole Miss football last night. They moved him around in a lot of different places. Sports Talk Mississippi. We will be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you rolling into the 5 o'clock hour on this Wednesday. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, and Michael Borky. It's Sports Talk Mississippi, and we would love to hear from you on the C Spire text line 601 879 4395 is the number. 601-879-4395. Upgrade your Anywhere office with Microsoft Teams from Seaspire Business. Their experts can equip your organization to chat, meet, call, and collaborate from anywhere on one easy-to-use platform. Find the right plan for you at cspire.com slash business. Time right now for the College Football Fix.
College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built for tough, but you can find out a whole lot more than that. You can check out the entire lineup of Ford vehicles and see the money that you can save. And you can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. We mentioned this earlier. If you're just joining us, we'll pass it along again. Ole Miss picked up a new defensive player, second consecutive day that the Rebels have added a defensive player to their roster. This one, though, is not likely to be eligible this season. Uh, University, I'm sorry, University of, I almost said the University of Navy. Heck yeah. Uh, this uh, Jacob Springer, who is a linebacker in safety at the Naval Academy, is transferring. He is a Riverside, Missouri native that signed with Navy in the class of 2017. 6'1", 206 pounds, picked Navy over uh, this offer list, and this is what we discussed earlier. Army, Colgate, North and South Dakota State. But after entering the transfer portal, had... Interest from schools like Illinois, Memphis, Michigan, Missouri, Notre Dame, Texas, Wisconsin, and UCLA, and ultimately has signed with Ole Miss. He was third in tackles for Navy last year, 70 of them on the season, including double-digit tackles, 10 of them when Navy faced uh, a top-20 Notre Dame team. So uh, that's one piece of information as it pertains to the college football fix. Here's another. Tough week for the Liberty University football team. Monday morning. Why are you laughing, hey Dad? I say Liberty and you smile. You hate to see it. On Monday morning, a pair of Liberty football players, cornerbacks Keytrail Clark and Tavion Land, announced on Twitter that they have both entered the NCAA transfer database, or portal if you prefer. Tavion Land cited racial insensitivity as the basis for his decision. Meanwhile, Clark mentioned cultural incompetence. In fairness, can we point out, far be it for me to be a defender of, we can, can we point out that these statements are more, most likely directed not at their head football coach, Hugh Freeze, but instead at the university president, Jerry Falwell Jr.? Yeah, they, they've got a big problem there. Uh, it is not just football. You've had a women's, a very prominent women's basketball player and a whole bunch of faculty and students, regular students, who, who have all uh, either quit their jobs or, or are doing something of that nature directly related to the leadership or lack thereof uh, of Falwell. So you got those notices on Monday morning, and then on Monday night, a third player, Waylon Kozad, confirmed that he too is entering the transfer portal. The senior linebacker, who is white, cited neither racial insensitivity nor cultural incompetence. He simply said, officially entered the transfer portal, ready for a new opportunity. So, um, look, I mean, didn't... Jerry Falwell Jr. is a lightning rod for criticism in a lot of different places. But recently, earlier this month, he kicked up a firestorm when apparently he was taking a shot. But it's it's kind of like there are certain words that regardless of the context, you just can't say. In a tweet, he referenced 
Virginia Governor Ralph Northam's blackface scandal. And there was some imagery associated with that. And while he was trying to make, I think, a political point, he drug up imagery that bothers a lot of people, including faculty and staff and students and student-athletes at Liberty University. He did go back and apologize for it. Um, so, a little bit of a mess. And like I said, I'm, I am, you know I'm not here to defend Hugh Freeze on any front. But it sounds like these transfers are stemming from frustration with university leadership more than coaching staff leadership. Yeah. Yeah. It's just hard for me to believe. It really is just so hard for me to believe that a university that hires a guy like Ian McCall (coughs) and a football coach like Hugh Freeze has some leadership issues. (laughs) Much as we would all love for it to be Hugh Freeze, so we could just make fun of him more. Not the case. It just uh, it blows me away. I can't. I can't believe somebody that wanted Ian McCaw to come lead their athletic department somehow has bad judgment. I'm mind blown. Really. Uh, Ian McCaw, for those of you that don't know, was at Baylor for 13 years, and there's you know the reason why he's not at Baylor anymore. Liberty scooped him up right away. They did. That is a uh, a true statement. Florida Atlantic has a uh, another transfer. They're going to be without their top five tacklers from a year ago. Last week, Hosea Barnwell posted a cryptic tweet that read, Can't get feelings involved with business. It's all about the money. A week later, it was confirmed that the linebacker has taken the first step in leaving the FAU football team by entering the transfer portal. Unclear if the tweet and the move to the portal are related. It's like that news person talking about the looted cheesecake factory and the person walking around holding a cheesecake. Unclear where they got that from. Um, I like have cheesecake. we entered the area where it's okay for a player to say that, though? Well, I mean, they're about to benefit from their NILs anyway. That's why I asked the question. I mean, like, two, three, four years ago, if a player said, just a business decision, it's all about the money, you'd be like, you can't say that. Whether it's true or not, you can't say that. But now I guess they could mean a lot of things, right? I mean, maybe the cost of attendance stipend is bigger at, other places than it is at FAU, and it's all about the money, so go get a little bit more money. Maybe it's, he believes name image likeness legislation will allow him, I I, I don't know. Maybe I'm grasping at straws. Well, it's about the money everywhere. I mean, I learned last week that Ohio University volleyball is a zero-sum game. As it turns out, in the MAC, you got to start paying crews to get ahead there as well. In women's volleyball, they got busted for paying for flights and stuff for uh, pro- families of prospects. Women's volleyball. So, when you have a guy like Cowherd who's on three hundred stations nationwide, and I know part of his shtick is to get people riled up, but when you have people like him that say. 
Oh, Alabama, they don't have to cheat. They, players just want to go to Alabama and play for Nick Saban. No, those recruits don't get paid. You look like a complete fool because it is at every level of football and apparently all the way down to women's volleyball at Ohio University. Just not at your favorite school. Not at your favorite school. No, you guys, they just they want to be a part of the, the program. They love the system. And you still have to do recruiting, of course. That's It's not exclusively about the money, but to pretend like that was not a factor is burying your head so far deep in the sand, you'll come out on the other side where there's COVID-20 brewing. Jason Hattiesburg, a little uh, PSA for you here. It says, huge traffic buildup due to a wreck or multiple wrecks at the junction of Interstate 20 and 59 going into Meridian. So, if you're in that part of the state, you're headed in that direction, heads up, might be able to save yourself a little time if you can find an alternate route. Uh, Jeff says, wait, mentioning the governor wearing a black face back in the day is a racist comment. No, I, I think there was an image associated with it, and that was the issue. And Paula says, Richard, Anthony Servideo, and uh, Tyler Keenan may not have signed, but they have both put farewell letters out on Twitter. Yeah, there's no no debate that that's uh, the direction they are headed. It's your college football fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. We'll take a quick timeout, and we'll be back with you on this Wednesday. All right, so we're going to play 60 Major League Baseball games starting the weekend of July 24th, 25th, and 26th. 60 games in 66 days. The staff at USA Today that covers Major League Baseball, a six-person panel, did win total projections for all the teams in Major League Baseball. We didn't talk about this yesterday, by the way. Did you see what they're doing in extras? Yeah. You go to the 10th inning. You start the inning with a runner on second. Ghost second man base. on second. Let's go. So explain. Not, it's not ghost man, is it? No, but still. Remnants of the backyard days when you'd play a full nine-inning game with nine guys on the field with you, another one of your buddies, against two other guys. Uh, I did that with my son in the front yard not too terribly long ago. It was just the two of us. I, I was pitching to him and letting him hit, and it was like chasing down the ball, and then we did the ghost man thing, and his mind was blown. <laughs> it's like, dude, man, this is how the world works. Uh, but explain that, the, the reasoning for that to me. Because it, I understand, and I'm a proponent of shortening the game in, in every sport. Like the SEC on CBS going four and a half hours is, is ridiculous. A football they game. They go four and a half hours. They Come have. On. Oh, they have. You, you going to tell me I'm wrong? Four and a half? That, that has happened. So, so a yes. 2.30 kickoff or a 2.36 kickoff ending at 10 minutes after 7? For some reason, my, my keyboard is no longer working, so I can't type it in, but I was going to send you... Maybe it's because there's no cord. Uh, well, it's a wireless keyboard. Um, but, I know, I was kidding. But there... Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of them, especially lately, that have gone over the four-hour mark. It is a relatively common thing for that game now. Relatively. It's not every game, but it happens. Either way, I mean, that's just far too long. 
there, there's too much stoppage in play, and even in NFL games that are a good like three hours, 20 minutes, give or take, and they're pretty solid in that window. There are times where it feels like, how can these guys even play? Because it's snap, commercial, snap, timeout, commercial. It's just there's no flow in football games, so I think they should reduce commercial breaks somehow to let the game flow a little bit. Same thing applies to baseball. The PGA Tour, sometimes the rounds are taking too long. They need to speed that up. I'm a proponent of that. Proponent of that. But extra innings in baseball is the most exciting part of the game. That's not where you need to shorten the game because that's when even a casual fan like me would want to watch the most. So turning that into a gimmick to end the game faster, that doesn't make sense to me. If that's the motivation, you're doing it the wrong way. And if it's to reduce the number of innings you play and stuff, your season's been cut by 100 games. Why are you trying to play fewer innings? Because you're trying to cram 60 games into 66 days, and I think player safety is a little bit of an issue. But you guys said yesterday that's give or take about what they would do anyway. It's about what they do. It's just all crammed into two months, and when it's crammed into six months and it's like that, and you have a guy that gets injured, he can miss two months of the season and come back and be okay. If a guy gets banged up now and misses six weeks, he's missed 75% of the season. But this is something that was being talked about already. I mean, I think this... Am I crazy? I was thinking that this rule had already been proposed and approved for... This year, it's something they started doing, started Didn't experimenting they it for the with minors? in the minor leagues. Yep. Yeah, yeah, but there is no minor leagues. So. Speaking of that, uh, another. I, I'm sorry, I keep derailing the conversation in Nashville. So this may be something that uh, the teams in Mississippi explore. Uh, the Nashville Sounds are going to play 40 games, 40 regular season games at their ballpark, starting on July 23rd. That's the hope. They're going to sign 40 players and make two teams, and they'll play against each other 40 times. Because really? it, it certainly sounds like if that's their plan, their league is not going to play. So they're going to take their farm system and just bring two rosters in of their farm system and play games in Nashville. What uh, was that, Milwaukee? Uh, I would help you on the research. Again, my keyboard is the done. Nashville Sounds Parent Club. Um, Texas Rangers. So the AAA affiliate of the Texas Rangers. And according to Chris Harris, a, a local news guy uh, there in Nashville that broke this news, said they're hopeful to work with Major League Baseball on it, but they're going to do it with or without their blessing. Hmm. 25% fan capacity is the hope. How about that? So you, you were saying oh you were saying the Mississippi team so the the Braves and the Shuckers yeah maybe they'll look at getting together and playing against each other and or or just doing a similar concept just to put on games for fans and it, people in the replies are like well why would I go watch the same teams play against each other forty times I don't know about you guys I have never gone to a, a minor league baseball game because of who the two teams are. I do it because it's like just yeah, a cool you like Friday it night thing of Thursday, to do. Thursdays, right? Yeah, you go get a dollar beer and watch some pretty good baseball. Like I don't care if the teams from Jacksonville or, or or Huntsville, Alabama, that the Braves are playing. I'll go watch them because it's it's baseball. It's Friday night. I can have a beer and, and we're all good. 
So I don't think that would be a detriment to people wanting to see it because if you go once a month, you see them play twice, and I mean, who cares who their opponent is? So win totals for the big league teams as projected by the baseball staff at USA Today. In the American League, Astros 35-25, and 25, one game better than the Oakland Athletics. The American League Central, Minnesota 35-25, and 25, three games in front of Cleveland. And the Yankees 38-22, and 22, four games in front of Tampa Bay. National League Braves best record in the NL East at 34 and 26, a game better than the Nats. Cardinals best record in the NL Central at 33 and 27. Two games in front of Cincinnati. And the Dodgers at 37 20 and 23, second best record in the big leagues prediction. 11 games in front of the last place San Francisco Giants. Projected 26 and 34. So I was watching some some baseball guys talk earlier today. Buster Olney and maybe a couple of others. And they were asking, you know, who does who does a 60 game season benefit the most? And they had one analyst that predicted the Chicago White Sox liked the makeup of their team. And then Buster Olney said, without question, it's the Tampa Bay Rays. Because of the number of arms in their bullpen, the group of position players that they've got, and he said the biggest loser in this scenario was the Houston Astros, who just got Verlander up and throwing, what, at the beginning of this month? Coming back from the, uh, was it a groin injury or a hamstring injury? Back in March? And um, mentioned another pitcher as well. So, I know everybody would be sad if Houston doesn't perform well in a short season. And then, speaking of Houston, Jim Crane, the owner, said that uh, his plan was to put fans in the stands as much as state law allowed in for games in Houston because they need the money as a franchise to help cover the lost revenues. Hmm. Trash can banging will be uh, a lot more, or it'll be a lot easier to hear the trash can banging. Yeah, you're so maybe hear that that's going to reverberate throughout the stadium. Speaking of trash cans, yeah. have you seen the the new Rangers stadium? Yeah, it looks pretty bad on the outside, but man, it looks good on the inside. Beautiful on Ooh. the inside. It looks like uh, something that you see at your buddy's deer camp. Yeah, a barn with a bunch of old futons and a beer fridge inside, maybe a tractor it, or two. It does have very much a metal roof look to the entire exterior. An asymmetrical metal building is what it looks like. Looks like where you now go buy costs, cattle at auction. Yeah. Yeah, like a big sale barn. That's kind Pretty of what much, it looks yeah. like. <laughs> it looks bad is what we're trying to say. Yeah. A $1.2 billion sale barn, by the way, that on the inside looks spectacular. Which, you know, if you're going to build that, you might as well make it look pretty all over, but if it's got to either look good on the inside, or either the inside or the outside is going to look good, 
the inside's really what matters. Globe Life Park was a beautiful stadium. Like, like their old stadium. What the ballpark at Arlington that it used to be called. Mm. Very unique. Only 20 years old. Gotta go get a new one. New car smell had worn off. And they had no air conditioning. Which was an issue in Dallas in July. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be back. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. Glad to have you along for the uh, for the ride. I don't know that this is really the start of something in the legislature, but I will let you know that it's out there. Uh, I've reached out to a couple of people quickly during the break and said... This is not necessarily as clear-cut as you would uh, would think. Uh, two Mississippi representatives have filed a resolution to allow a bill that would change the state flag. Uh, Representative Jeremy Anderson today joined Representative Sonia Williams-Barnes to introduce a resolution that would suspend the rules and allow the legislature to consider a bill to change the flag. Um, there's more in the news release than that, but... In, in terms of procedural stuff in the uh, the House of Representatives, just because you introduce a resolution doesn't mean that it's taken up, and it would have to be taken up, I guess, by the Speaker for discussion, uh, and that won't necessarily happen off of this bill. There is a lot that's happening today, though, in, uh, in Jackson, behind the scenes. University leaders uh, from all of the state's colleges and universities were there uh, talking with and working with led, uh, legislators trying to, uh, legislators trying to uh, get something done and to get some movement going. I'm not belittling the introduction of this resolution at all, but I don't think it's the uh, the silver bullet that some were just hoping for. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that and uh, any other stories that uh, go along with uh, with this as we uh, get closer to the week. I did tell you earlier. Uh, today, if you're just joining us, um, that I've had some people tell me that it looks like the legislature is not going to be able to end the session on Friday. Uh, I, I guess that could change, but uh, I'm led to believe that they will continue, I guess, into next week and perhaps beyond if necessary. And there are... Um, there's some other stuff that's got to be done, right? I mean, they got there's a bond bill that's got to be passed, and they've got to finish up the CARES Act money, and I don't know that they've necessarily had the time they need to do all of that yet. And politics is a uh, it's an interesting thing. Yeah. There are a lot of different ways to get stuff done. Forgive me so. if this is going down a road we shouldn't, but why is it that, and it's not just here, it's legislatures everywhere, uh, just put a date on when they're done and if there are things on the table that they need to get done, but, you know, we didn't do it by Friday, that's too bad and it just gets pushed by for months. I mean, I've never understood why that is just a commonly accepted thing by citizens. Is We've got issues. You know we have issues, but if they're not solved by Friday, you're done until winter? No, that's not what... 
that's not what I would think you would run for. You'd run to go solve things, not hang out for a few months, and if you get to it, eh, whatever, we'll see in a few months. The concept of that, I've never understood. I know they have jobs and things that they have to do in their life, but if if you're going to be a public servant, serve the public um, the best way possible and not when it's convenient. Welcome to politics, Michael. That's that's how this works. Yeah, well, that's part of it, but but the other part of it is there is a salary allocation for legislators and it's not a it's not a big salary. And that's for a certain amount of time and you know, the general calendar is that um so the general calendar is in year 1 of a, a new electoral cycle. So, right, I mean, we vote every four years for legislators. Year one, they are in session for four months. And in years two, three, and four, they're in session for three months. And one of the issues has always been about calling a special session is that you have to continue to pay them um, per diem, and there's cost associated with every day that you're in session beyond the uh, the allocated time. This is a unique year. I mean, obviously, the legislature would not normally be in session on the 24th of June. They would have been done two months ago. Um, but because of COVID-19, they suspended the session and then came back. And anyway, well, I, just a lot going on. I, I, I understand that. Maybe there you can circumvent that by um, here's what you get paid for however long it takes you to solve the issues that you present on day one or something like that. It just it feels like almost a cop out or at least you're I'm not saying your explanation is incorrect. I hope you don't think I'm taking a <laughs> shot at you, but that sounds that answer, which is the right one. If you said it, it's the right one. Sounds like a cop out to me. <laughs> it, the, they could. Well, well, OK, so so the the, the legislative Kind of the calendar in terms of the what the reason there's an extra month in the first year out of the four year cycles is because you have to kind of go through the orientation process for new legislators. You've got to build out committees, you've got to do committee assignments and put people in charge of those. And then, so, so that would be in a, a, a four month year and a three month year, they really spend the first month or so, and, and and I understand the argument that you're making, and I don't necessarily disagree with you, but the first month is kind of debating and getting things into committees and getting bills ready to get to the actual floor for debate and voting on them and getting them into... But it's like anything else, right? I mean, you, you really get stuff done when you're up against a deadline. Well, do they? <laughs> They're trying. Yeah. Which is, and it certainly feels like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, there is some positive momentum if you're in favor of change. It feels like the last few hours have been different than this time yesterday. Is that fair? Oh, I would agree with that. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. It's certainly different than uh, than it felt going into the weekend when we talked about this on Friday, um, where you had... Um, Speaker of the House tell us, you know, he was kind of explaining the process, and it sounded like a long shot at best. And there's a lot of work that has been done in the uh, in the last oh, 72 to 96 hours in trying to build coalitions of support. You know, that one thing that stands out to me from when we talked to the Speaker on Friday 
and, and he just kind of reminded us of something that we know. In the legislature, in Jackson, if you don't have the votes, you can't get anything done. You either have the votes or you don't have the votes, and that's what this week has been about. Because, you know, Borky, we would love to sit here and say, man, just, just put it to a vote. Well, if, if you just put it to a vote and you don't have the votes, you, you've wasted an opportunity. So, you know, they, they've been trying to build consensus and whip votes and convince people through all different kinds of measures to vote for this. And you got a bunch of legislators that need absolutely no convincing. They are championing championing this cause. And then you got a bunch of others who maybe would like to be involved, but because of pressures that they feel from their home districts, they feel like they, they can't vote in a particular way. And in those circumstances, you're trying to assuage the concerns they have. You're trying to figure out if there's something that you can do uh, for those home districts that will allow... I mean, it's almost like horse trading. Like, well, okay, you say you can't vote for this, but what if we're able to allocate money for a project in your home district that is good for your people in exchange for you being able to, you know, vote this way? And then you've got some who are just absolutely heels dug in. I'm not voting for it. I don't believe in it, period. We, uh, we read this earlier. Somebody sent it to us again. The, uh, uh, the statement from Bully Block, which is a lobbying group that operates on behalf of Mississippi State and the IHL. And their statement was very straightforward. Borky, you said you liked that it was straightforward. It was not wordy. It said, Bully Block supports university leadership, students, IHL, and others throughout our state in calling on the Mississippi legislature to retire the current Mississippi flag. A new flag that unites rather than divides is the only way forward for our university and state from the Bully Block Executive Committee. And, and I, think, I think the wording there is important and the part that I would under, underline for you. Regardless of... If they get the suspension of the rules and they're able to get a resolution to the floor and ultimately take a vote on it, then... They're not voting on a new flag. I may be wrong about that, but there's nobody that I've talked to that makes me believe they're voting on a new flag. They're going to vote to retire the existing flag. Retire it, decommission it, abolish it, take it off the flagpole, describe it however you want to. But I think legislators feel like that's what they can potentially get accomplished. It takes a two-thirds majority to suspend the rules to introduce a bill at this point, and then a simple majority in both houses, both the House and the Senate, so both bodies, to pass this bill, then it would go to the governor's desk for signature. If he signs it, it's law. If he vetoes it, then you have to have a two-thirds majority in both chambers to override the veto. Sports Talk Mississippi.
Super Talk Mississippi media production.